If you have your Bibles for a few moments, I want to take you to the book of Micah, the sixth chapter. Never get tired of the Word of God. Certainly, I get tired, but never of the Word. And I, I hope the Lord will help me tonight deliver a very important word to you. Micah chapter 6 and verse number 8. He simply said, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? In your Bible, it is posed as a question, but most scholars believe it was actually a statement. Whatever the case, Micah was dealing with the people that had a lot of mixed up priorities. And he was trying to help get them back on solid ground. And this was his statement. The Lord has showed thee what is good. Everybody say, what is good? And what the Lord doth require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about things that still matter to God. Amen. Things that still matter to God. Reach over and take somebody by the hand. Father, we love you tonight. We are so thankful for your presence and for your power that is in this place. Thank you, God, for your mercy and for your help. I pray that you would minister in this sanctuary, that you would move right now. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This particular verse of Scripture has been pronounced as one of the greatest sayings of the Old Testament. Whether that is so or not, it certainly is one of the grand and timeless utterances of the prophetic spirit. For though it has been misappropriated and misunderstood, it has a powerful, powerful message to deliver to all of us tonight. This particular verse does not repudiate the external elements of salvation for an internal response to God. Please don't misunderstand me. This is not an invitation to save yourself by kindly acts of of kindness, fairness, equity, and so forth. It is much deeper than that. It is much more profound. Many have tried to make it the seal of salvation that if they do these things, then they are saved. But it is not the song of salvation, but it certainly is the song of the saved. It is what is a result of that salvation. It would be natural for us to forgive men if we are forgiven, but sometimes we are called upon to do things to the unforgiven. Fleshing out our faith in the marketplace is often a difficult thing to do. 
And it is in that area that God desires our most ardent and careful attention. Living in a culture that was characterized by image worship, immorality and outright rebellion against the worship of God, you would think that such a statement like that would be made of our time. And it is an accurate description of our day, but the reality is that was the day in which Micah lived. He lived in a culture that worshipped images, not just idols, but man itself worshipped the body and worshipped the creature more than the creator We live in a world that's just like that. We are so image conscious today. It's frightening. All of the things that people will do to prop up their image when their spiritual life is in tatters and is non-existent. Certainly it is a day of immorality and outright rebellion against the worship of God. But the truth is... All of those people that Micah was dealing with felt like they were okay with God because they had perfected the art of outward observance, irregardless of what was going on on the inside. They had become professionals at washing their hands and equating that with salvation. They had come to the place where they were depending upon their sacrifices to take care of all of their spiritual needs. And they neglected their relationship with God. They felt like if they brought a lamb, that was sufficient. And they were good at ceremonial things, but they were not very good at character things. The part of their life that mattered to God was not a a part that mattered to them. They offered things to God, but they refused to offer themselves. They came to church, but they never let church affect them in the deep and spiritual way that God intended for it to affect them. They came to church like some folks come here and play on their iPhone or their iPad while church is going on. They're here, but they're not here. That was what was going on back then. But in their heart, they felt like because they showed up, that was all that was required of them. And that should have pleased God. God ought to be happy that I'm here. I could be anywhere else, but I'm not. I came to church, so that ought to please God. And so they allowed that to become the replacement of their relationship. And they were good, as I said earlier, with the ceremony, but they were not good with the character. They came near to the holy, but the holy was nowhere to be found in their own personal lives. And Israel had convinced itself that they could earn God's favor by deeds and forms of religion. And they were ready to bargain with God. They would say, God, I will, I will bring the sacrifice if you will bless me. Not understanding that God wanted more than the sacrifice. God wanted them. He wanted them connected to that offering. He wanted their heart involved in that gift. He wanted their spirit a part of what they were doing. And they had convinced themselves that they could earn their righteousness if they just showed up 
then surely God would look upon them with favor and He would be kind to them. And God had showed them that the root of their life was founded on the wrong foundation. But the root of all healthy relationships are built on something much deeper than just outward things. That there's something that has to happen on the inside of a person. What is pointed to is not some new form or act of religion, but the real root of relationship. The Lord said, you bring a sacrifice, but you you just bring the sacrifice. You don't bring yourself with it. There's got to be you connected to that to make it work right. The foundation which should make for their spiritual health and well-being was being undermined because they were neglecting the most important thing. And so God anoints Micah to tell them what is good. This is what is pleasing to God. And this is what still matters to God. This is what God looks at. And God requires, the Bible said, what did the Lord require of me? That word is very interesting because it speaks of someone searching for something or seeking after diligently. So basically what Micah is saying is that this is what God is looking for. He's looking for more than just a a lamb on the altar. He's looking for more than just turtle doves or some other form of sacrifice. God is looking for something much deeper than that. He wants your behavior to be modified. He wants your I actions and your lifestyle to be affected by what you do. That it becomes more than just an outward observance. Oh, I go to church or I'm Pentecostal or I'm Baptist or whatever else you want to call yourself. It really doesn't matter the name or the moniker you put over it. What God wants to know is what's going on on the inside. Just because my sins are forgiven doesn't mean it doesn't matter to God how I live. How we live our lives does matter to God. And this is what he was trying to get through to his people. That there are things that matter to God and they matter then and they matter now. And I want to talk to you about three of them. He mentions them very briefly here but they are so profoundly important to our spiritual life. They are actually the root of healthy relationships. And he said number one, this is what the Lord is looking for. He is looking for men and women who will do justly. Now I know your mind is probably going to grab the word justly, but what grabbed my mind is the word do, because do is an action word. And what God was trying to say to Israel was, your actions matter to me. How you live and how you act and how you interact with one another matters to me. It matters to me that you come to an altar and you give your sacrifice but it matters more to me how you interact with one another and the things that you do in your everyday life. 
You see, we live in a culture today that wants to divorce their actions from their relationship. They don't feel like what they do on their own private time matters to God. That's why they can drink and smoke and carry on and still come to church and act like they're a Christian. Because in their mind, what they do out there doesn't matter because what they do in here is something totally different. God said, no, I want to tell you what matters to me. What matters to me are your actions in here and out there. The way you live every day of your life matters to me. People want to think that what we do and how we act plays no part in our walk with God. But God said, let me tell you what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people who understand that their actions matter to me. Amen. Somebody say, my actions matter. My actions matter. We live under grace, people say, and that's true. But grace does not exempt me from living a life that is pure and clean. God was referring to much more than a ruling in a court of law. God requires that we are to live differently than those around us. And we must be both morally and ethically right in our dealings with others. We are to do justly. Everybody say, my actions matter. My actions matter. My actions, how I act and how I interact matters to God. Amen. God's not interested in you bringing an offering to Him and turning and treating somebody beside you like they don't exist. God's not interested in you coming and talking and saying sweet things to Him and then turning and saying ugly things to your spouse or somebody else in your family. Amen. Oh, me, your actions matter. What you do at an altar is important, but what you do when you're interacting after service or before service matters as well. What you do when you leave this building and how you interact with the world that you live in matters to God. It matters how you act in this life. Say, so really, usually it doesn't matter. This is what this is me and this is what I want to do. Oh, it does matter. And God said it mattered. It matters that I act justly. It matters that I love mercy. Now again, your mind may grab the word mercy, but my mind grabbed the word love because love speaks of my affections. So not only do my actions matter to God, but my affections matter to God. What I love matters to him. We use that word so loosely. I love Taco Bell. I love Blue Bell. I, I, I love Dr. Pepper. I love Fritos. We have so watered down and degenerated that word to where it doesn't have the effect on us that it ought to have on us. But I want to tell you, when these young people were singing a little while ago about the love of God, 
Something began to move in this place that was profound. You can't explain it. There's no way you can say that that was conjured up. That was something that was the soul reacting to a truth that God loves me. The basis of my salvation is His love toward me. I cannot understand anybody that has been given that much love, not in turn giving back to Him that kind of love. But my affections, what I love matters to God. Everybody say, what I love matters to God. There are some of us that are so in love with ourselves that that's all that matters. God said, no, you need to be in love with me more than you love anything else in this world. And it needs to be a loyal love. It needs to be a love that is consistent. You know, there's some people that love God when they're in church, but they forget about it when they leave church. God said, your love, your affections, your, your affections need governing because they are all the time being assaulted by the world in which you live. And that world is playing for your love. And, and what you love is what you're going to give yourself to. Where your heart is, the Bible said, what? There is your treasure also. That's what you value, where your heart is. What's important to you. You know what? I can usually tell what's important to people by just watching them for a little while. It doesn't take long. It doesn't take long to figure out what they love. Yeah. It doesn't take long to figure out that if you were to take that away from them, they wouldn't even know how to function. Yeah. If you took that away from them, they wouldn't even know. How, they'd feel like they were going to die. be about like my niece when the hurricane came through and all the electricity was gone. And, and she came down to my sister-in-law's house and she plopped down on the couch and she just went into a panic. I just can't handle it. And, and my sister-in-law thought something bad had happened. I mean, something really bad, the way she was reacting. Finally, she got her comment. She said, what in the world is wrong with you? She said, I can't live without air conditioning. <clears throat> I can't live without AC. There's a lot of folks that can't live without that. They can't live without their other things, too. But what you love matters to God. Amen. What you love. You know what's crazy? Some of you know more about who's fighting on Saturday night than you know about scriptures. Some of you know more about what's going to be on the shopping list next week at Dillard's or, or Target or Walmart than you do about the Word of God. Some of us know more about the right parking place than we do about the right place to park here. Amen. Our affections need governing. The things that we love, they need to be governed. And I don't, let, I, I don't need to let anything supersede my love of God. Amen. That's the thing that's going to help me. That's the thing that mends relationships and makes life worth living. 
loyal love. God didn't want them to be related to him only in their ritual. God wanted a relationship with them. And there's a lot of people. There are a lot of professional I want to call them Pentecostal. You call them whatever. There are a lot of professional Christians that are related to him in ritual only. But there's no relationship. They've never let the love of God so surround them that they could weep and openly cry before him. They've never let the love of God so profoundly touch them that they could do nothing but pour out their love back to him. Oh, he loves me. Yes, he loves me. But more than that, he wants me to... To love Him in the way that He has loved me. With all of my heart and with all of my soul and with all of my strength. Loyal love. My affections matter to God. What I love matters to Him. I don't want anything to ever get to be important to me that I'll sacrifice church for that. Amen. I I don't ever want that to happen. I want to, to love, and I want to love mercy. Amen. I want to love mercy. I want to learn how to be merciful because everybody needs a little mercy in their life. Everybody needs to be cut some slack from time to time. Love mercy. You see, mercy is giving something to someone they don't deserve. That's hard to do because we, are, we base our response to people on how they respond to us. And if they don't respond to us and reciprocate to us the way we, we give to them, then we cut them off. But the Lord said, I want to tell you what matters to me. What matters to me are your affections. And what I really want you to love is mercy. I want you to be in love with mercy in your own life, but I want you to know how to give love to somebody and that mercy to somebody else that is in need of that just as much as you were. And the third thing he said that matters to me is that you walk humbly. Everybody say walk humbly. Walk is the word that caught a hold of my mind that speaks of my attitude, how I conduct myself. My attitude matters to God. Amen. I said my attitude matters and it needs governing. That's the thing that gets me in trouble the most is my attitude. Sometimes we need attitude adjustment hour. They have them in the world. Attitude adjustment hour is from 5 to 10 or 5 to 7 or 5 to 6. It's where you can get half-price drinks. We need to have an attitude adjustment hour here. You don't even have to pay half-price. It's free. You can drink of the fountain of life freely. You, you don't have to pay for it. It's, it's free. But it's the place where you can get your spirit in tune and you can get your attitude worked out. Because living in this world and walking among men can get you messed up. It can make you come in crossed and crooked. And God said, come on to the altar and let's get some things worked out. We need to have an attitude adjustment in our life. And we find that in the altar. We find it where we kneel before God. But God said, listen to me. Attitude matters to me. You may not think it does, but it matters greatly to me. Attitude, walking humbly. 
It needs governing. My, my spirit needs to be governed. I love the word humbly there. It means modest. That's a powerful word that we don't hear much of in the world in which we live. We live in a very immodest world. An immodest world. But what the Lord is searching for are people who will walk modestly before Him. Amen. Modestly. Amen. Fellowship with Him in modesty. Fellowship with Him without arrogance. Fellowship with Him in a teachable spirit. Fellowship with Him in a submissive attitude. Fellowship with Him in a thankful spirit. Fellowship with Him in a patient spirit. Dependent upon Him. Humble thyself before God. Walking humbly before Him is something that still matters to God. My attitude matters to Him. Amen. Somebody needs to look into the mirror tonight and say, God, I need you to work on this attitude of mine because it's not right. To walk with Him means you have to meet Him. And to meet Him, you've got to get in agreement with Him. And to get in agreement with Him means you've got to keep pace with Him. And when you get in, when you get in agreement with Him and you keep pace with Him, then you're going to find yourself going in the right direction. When we acknowledge our weakness and we bow before Him, we are finding our place among the blessed. We're finding ourselves where God wants us to be. This is what matters to Him. That you do what? Do what? Justly. That you do justly. That you what? Love mercy. And that you walk humbly before your God. Keep your hands busy. Keep your heart broken. Keep your head bowed. That's a great way to live. Amen. To do and to live and to act in a way that would be pleasing to God. There's a positive action that all of us need to take, and that is to do what is right. Everybody say, I need to do right. I need to do right to my neighbor. I need to do right to myself. I need to do right to God. Amen. Some of you need to do right to God. God's blessed you. God's given you life and breath, and you're not giving God what he paid for. You're not giving God what he paid for. You need to do right. Just lay it out before him on the altar and say, God, this is, this is what you're looking for, all of me. You need to do what is right. And you not only need to do what is right, but you need to awaken the powerful affection of love and say, God, help me to love like you love. And God, help me to have an attitude that is humble and not prideful. Amen. Help me to be broken before you so that I may be touched by you. Bow your heads right now and let's just reach out to God in this place. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. God, there, there's, there's a, a need in this place right now for an humbling of our hearts before your mighty hand. God, my, my attitude that is so so much a part of my life and how I live and affects my interaction with others, God. It's, 
It is being moved tonight by so many different things. But let it be mostly affected by your love tonight. And mostly affected by your grace, oh God. Help me to get my attitude right. So that when I stand before you, God, I am pleasing to you. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet right now. And let's lift our voices to him in praise and thanksgiving. Would you do that right now? All over the building. Come on, lift your voice to him. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you. 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 I love you.